We're finishing up this series called Toxic. If you missed any of the previous messages, you can jump online or in the app uh, and do those as well. We have a fill-in-the-blank version of the notes for you there as well. If you want to write down what I want you to write down, right, you can choose those. Uh, but we're finishing it up, and so we've been talking about ways that we can spiritually detox, ways that toxins try to work into our lives. And we understand this from a physical health perspective, right? All of us understand that from time to time we need to detox our lives. We need to work out maybe some food that we've allowed ourselves to consume. We need to start to clean ourselves, especially around the fall, uh, working into the summer, right? A lot of us know... A lot of us know that when the summer is coming, we start to think, okay, I'm going to have to see the neighbors and I'm going to have to go to the pool. And I start to work on my own body, right? We start to get a little conceited. We understand the physical health aspect of it. But I believe that in our spiritual lives as well, we need to understand this aspect. That there are times we need to work out some things that maybe we've let grow a little bit lax. Uh, Maybe some spiritual disciplines we let go because we're focused so much on the vacations or the summertime or whatever it is. And so we need to kind of bring ourselves back into line. And so week one, we talked about toxic thoughts. How the Bible says, as a man thinks, so he is. And so a lot of times our thoughts are what run our lives. Our thoughts are what start actions. Our thoughts are at the root of so many things in our life. And then week two, we talked about toxic desires. How uh, so many times there are desires in our lives that are contrary to God's word. That the flesh brings desires that are contrary to what God wants us to be doing. And then there are also desires the spirit brings that are in line with them, with God's word. And so if we are able to detox from these unspiritual desires, so many times we'll begin to live the life God has called us to live. And today we're going to finish up with toxic emotions, right? That's the one we all love. That's the one that cuts a little bit deeper maybe than the other ones for some of us. Toxic emotions. Now, I am a very emotional person. I've tried to work on that in my life. I am very... I'm very temperamental in some areas. I've tried to work on it since I got married and had kids because I wanted to be more even-tempered because I admired that in other people, right? Come on, some of you who are passionate like I am, you admire that even-tempered, and it's not going so well for me. I'll just be honest with you. It's not working out as well as I hoped, but I'm working on it, all right? I'm working on it. I just seem to be passionate more often than I'd like to be passionate. And my kids are just like me. I actually tell my wife, like, where do they learn to be angry like that? Like, where do they, where do they learn to have emotions and to be upset? And she just looks at me. She doesn't answer. She just kind of, and I'm like, it's not a rhetorical question. Where, where in the world do they learn to be? And she just looks at me until I ask another question. All right. So maybe you're like that. Maybe you're as emotional as I am, or maybe you're more pick and choose, right? You're passionate when you choose to be about certain things. I think there's maybe more of you like that. Uh, That you maybe are passionate about certain things, right? You're not yelling. You're just very passionate about that particular, particular thing. And so some of us are passionate. Some of us are emotional. Some of us are those. But when you choose to get emotional, I think there are things that all of us can get really emotional about. And I want to demonstrate that for you. This is actually a sermon illustration that I've waited eight years to give. And you'll see why in just a moment, because it was just too painful until recent events set it right. All right, everybody. And so the year is 2011. It's November 5th, and LSU has just defeated Alabama 9-6 in overtime, kicking field goals, baby. Come on, somebody. All of you remember. Nobody remembers where they were. I'm the only person in the room. You remember. I remember being so excited. I ran out the front door of the house where I was watching the game, screaming into the neighborhood how excited I was. Emotional, excited, right? This was our year. Come on, somebody. I don't, where are you people? 2000, that was our year, the team of destiny, right? We were the ones to take down Saban. We were the ones to make all things right in the world again. And then 
And then, right, I never forgiven Oklahoma State, by the way. I still haven't forgiven them for losing at the end of the season. And BCS puts Alabama back in the title game where they don't deserve to be. I got married the week before the championship game. Come on, somebody. That's how I remember my wedding date, consequently, right? It's somewhere in the middle of bowl season. Someone, some, nobody's with me. All right. I just don't care what you guys think. All right. Actually, I'm kidding with you. It's somewhere at the end of bowl season. It's near the end of bowl season around there. But I got married and we took a cruise for our wedding honeymoon. And we're out on a cruise boat. And that cruise was so nice as to put the game on the 80 foot tall screen on the Lido deck for everyone to watch. And it was a massacre. It was just a, some of you have blocked that memory and I don't blame you for doing that. Right. We didn't we didn't cross midfield till five minutes left in the game. We Jordan Jefferson couldn't hit the ocean from the boat. You know what I'm talking about? It was just it was a bad, bad time for all of us. I had all the pizza and ice cream I could eat and I still couldn't cheer myself up. It was just a bad, bad time for all of us. Now, why do I bring up a tragic memory like that? And it's because. After that game, well, actually, it's because, number one, last year made all things right. And I could talk about that now. We can, we can just laugh at the past because now we are the greatest and we will always be the greatest. Come on, somebody. I can talk about that. But the second thing was is I realized after that game, I realized that I wasn't running out in the streets, right, screaming for joy after we lost after that one. I wasn't going around telling everybody how great we were. I wasn't. So, in fact, I think I woke up for a month after that just asking, why, God? Why? Why did you, why did you have to let it be Alabama that did it? Why anybody, uh, why do the wicked prosper, oh, Lord? Why do they, why did they have that in their lives? But what I realized was, and I know it's a silly illustration, and maybe it doesn't hit home for you. It hits home for me is that our emotions can take us to the very high and then they can plunge us to the very low. And I was actually a little bit frightened about how low are my emotions about that game could plunge me. I, was, I had to take stock in a little bit of things. I had to kind of wake myself up to some things that maybe had become too important to me in my own life because of how excited I was and what I, I rode that high for two or three weeks and then how low it could plunge me. And our emotions in our own lives, so many times they can plunge us. And so today, for just a few minutes, I want to talk about toxic emotions and what they can do to our lives when we don't even realize that they're doing it. And I know that illustration maybe doesn't hit home with you, but I want to talk about three different emotions that all of us experience, that all of us let seep into our lives. All of us let those little toxins come after us that we can identify with. And we're going to deal with them today. This morning, I believe some of us are going to be set free in the name of Jesus from some of these emotions that we've let too long work themselves into our lives. Our theme verse for the series comes out of Genesis chapter 2. And it says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Became a living soul. And we talked about how our soul houses our mind, our will, and our emotions. How our soul is what happens. It's the center of our humanity. And being the center, it's the place that's most under attack. This is where the attack comes on your life. And in talking about the soul, I want to give you this little phrase. And that is, we are not a body with a soul. We are a soul with a body. I think sometimes we underplay the rest of parts of us. And we think about the body as all that there is, the outer. And I want you to know that we're not a body who just sometimes has a soul. We're a soul with a body. The body is temporary. The outer things that we waste so much time and emotion and will and all these things on, things we waste all our time on, is just the temporary. The soul is what lasts forever. And so we are a soul that has a body. Psalmist in Psalms chapter 42, this will be one of our key verses today, talks about toxic emotions. It says, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? 
He says, why, my soul, are you so downcast within me? Isn't it true when we walk through difficult times, when we walk through difficult things, isn't it true that our soul can be downcast? It can be disturbed. One of the greatest, honestly, one of the worst outcomes of this pandemic, one of the things that's most widespread out of this pandemic has been anxiety and depression and the rise of it in our population. The anxiety and the depression and the things that disturb us. And so we're going to talk about some toxic emotions that cause us to be disturbed and downcast. The first one, the first emotion we all agree with, and the first one that we all experience, jot it down if you're taking notes, and that is hurts from the past. Hurts from the past. Things that have happened to us in the walk that we've had, things that have happened to us in the time that we've spent on this earth, things that have happened to us, pain that we've experienced that causes us to be disturbed. Things that we remember that causes us to have these toxic emotions in the present. And it could be anything from your past. It could be Maybe a school that you didn't get into. It could be a failed relationship uh, that you had. It could be a hurt that you experienced. It could be a missed opportunity that you keep replaying over and over in your mind. It could be something that happened to you. It could have been something that happened in your life. It could be any of these things that come back. And when we call them to mind, when we remember them, they cause us to have toxic emotions in the present. They cause us to be disturbed and to be distressed. And so, well, Jeremiah is a prophet in the Old Testament. And Jeremiah is called the depressed prophet. How would you like to have that label in the Old Testament, right? He's called the depressed prophet, and he wrote two books in the Old Testament. And he existed at one of the most most filled with turmoil parts of Israel's history. And he wrote two books. He wrote the book of Jeremiah that bears his name, and he wrote the book of Lamentations. And he's called the depressed prophet because all throughout his writings, you can see him deal with bouts of depression. I think sometimes we forget that the prophets were real people who had real experiences and went through real things. And so you see him throughout his writings deal with this dark depression that tries to settle on his life. And yet he always found a way to deal with it by fixing his eyes on the Lord, on looking to God. But here's one time where he talks about being depressed in his life. It's out of Jeremiah in Lamentations chapter 3. And he says, I remember my affliction. And I remember my wandering and the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. We highlighted that word remember because Jeremiah is saying, I I remember those. I call them to mind every time you remember. Isn't it true when you remember the things that brought you pain, your soul is downcast. It brings that toxic emotion with us, the hurts of the past. Number two is this trouble in the present. So not only do we have toxic emotions when we remember the pain from the past, but we also have trouble in the present. It represents things like bad news that you get. Some of you got bad news maybe this morning or you got it in the last few days. Some of you, you got bad news about a loved one or or you received bad news uh, from a medical professional. Or some of you, you've had that news. It creates trouble in the present. And when you get bad news like that, it's almost like a fighter getting hit right between the eyes. It's almost like you stagger back a little bit. I and mean, if you watched the heavyweight fight last night, right, the underdog in the fifth round just, I mean, down in all four rounds and then knocks him out with this one of the craziest knockouts you'll ever see. And you see this guy is out before he hits the ground. And when you get bad news in the present, when it's almost like a fighter just getting hit and you stagger back or you fall and you have to, you can't even get your, your whereabouts about you can't get anything back you got to like stand to your feet to try to even figure out what's going on creates trouble in the present there's a story in the bible of a man named job it was in our reading this past week uh, in our yearly bible reading that we do together as a church and this man named job it's actually one of the oldest books it is the oldest book in your bible it's one of the oldest pieces of literature we have uh, in history but it tells the story of this man job 
who walks with God and he's faithful in his walk with God and he helps the needy in his community and God blesses him with wealth and family and all these things. And he lives this life before God that is just a life of honor and a life of what all of us should strive to be as men and women of God. And he just, he reaches out and he he lives before God faithfully and he, he blesses his family, blesses his community. And the Bible says that one day he has real trouble in the present. And one day his entire family is wiped out and they come to tell Job that all of his, his children were in one house and, and the storm breaks out and the house collapses and they all die. And while that runner comes to him, another one comes and says, Job, your, your business is all gone. Everything that you had is gone. All the livestock have died. And another runner, and, and it's one after another. And then a few days later, his whole body breaks out and boils and he has this health condition. How many know that's real trouble in the present? That's real trouble that Job is experiencing in the present. And some of you have real trouble in the present. And it's causing toxic emotions inside of you. Some of you have real trouble. Maybe you've got this bad doctor's report that he's told you this is hopeless or this thing has happened. Or maybe, maybe even this week someone called you and said this person that you love, this is what's happening to them. And maybe all these things are piling up. And you have trouble in the present. Let's read this out of Job. It's someone speaking to him and it said, but now trouble comes to you and you're discouraged. It strikes you. And you are dismayed. The verbiage in this verse is so, it's so clear because when trouble comes in the present, it's like a strike. It just strikes you. It, it feels like a punch to the gut. It feels like it's in there to take you out. And so many of you have experienced that trouble in the present. It brings toxic emotions. And then for others, maybe you're here today or watching online, trouble in the present. Maybe it's not something big like that, but maybe it's just little things that have started to steal your joy. Maybe it's little toxins. The Bible talks about the little foxes that that eat the crop, the little things that try to nip at the crop, try to do it where you don't even notice that they're doing it. There's little things that try to steal your joy. Like maybe this morning you woke up, right, and it was going to be a beautiful day. And, right, the sun is shining, the birds are singing, and you go downstairs to make coffee, and your spouse forgot to buy coffee at the store, right? And it's a little thing, right? And you just, you just, the whole day is ruined now. Some of you are saying that's not a little thing. That's a, that's a deal breaker there. That's what that... Or some of you, right, this past week, you're driving to work. Somebody told me they were driving and listening uh, to the, the, the worship music and the, the 21 days of prayer and that somebody cut them off in the middle of it. Come on, somebody. Some of you, right, you're in that mode. You're a super Christian and you are singing the worship songs and you're going to work to witness to everybody at work. And somebody cuts you off and you lose your salvation right on them right there, right? You just, you just go, oh, you just forget everything else. And that is a little thing that tries to steal our joy. So many times trouble in the present Little things that work themselves in. We need to begin to recognize the toxic emotions that steal our joy. So we've got hurts from the past, trouble in the present. And then the final emotion that we talk about, and that is anxiety about the future. And I think this affects us all, thinking about what the future holds. Are the schools going to stay open? Is What's the government going to do? Is the pandemic, the quarantine, how long is this going to last? Even for us this week where we think, well, are 15 hurricanes going to hit us on Tuesday? Are they going to hit us on Wednesday? Or are we going to be on the left side or the right side of it? What's it going to do? Or maybe even things that are a little longer term where we think, Lord, how am I raising my children? And am I making the right decisions? And you get this anxiety about the future. And it begins to work itself into our soul. And it creates toxic emotions. So many times this fear of what the future will bring. And you need to know that even Jesus had moments in his life where anxiety tried to work its way in. Where it tried to grab a hold of him. Where anxiety tried to find its way into him. In fact, right before he goes to the cross, he knows everything that he's going to suffer. 
He knows everything that's about to happen physically, where he's about to get ripped apart and all these things are going to happen to his body. But even more than that, he knows he's about to carry the weight of the sins of the world. And our Savior is about to carry them to the cross. And it says in Mark chapter 14, he comes back and he has all this weighing on him. You can imagine the weight of that on him. And it says he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. And here it is. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. To the point of death. Stay here and keep watch. He said my soul is overwhelmed. And here's the encouragement for you. If your savior had to walk through these emotions. It's okay that we have to face them. But Jesus models how to handle them correctly. He models how to handle them the right way. And we're going to look at God's word. To see how we can handle the hurts from the past. The pain in the present. And the anxiety about the future. How we can handle those things in our own lives. If you've taken notes with me, we go back to our key verse in Psalms chapter 42, verse 5. Remember the psalmist has said, why my soul are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? He's wrestling with himself. He's saying, why am I always overwhelmed? soul? why, why are you disturbed inside of me? And then he gives us the answer to it. And he gives us the antidote to it. He said, but put your hope in God. And so the psalmist here isn't saying, but put your hope in all the securities that you've built up for yourself. He's not saying, place your eyes on all the things that you think that can give you strength. He's saying, no, no, face yourself towards God. Put your eyes on him, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. It's almost like he's looking in a mirror in the mornings and he's saying, soul, why are you depressed within me? Why are you disturbed? Why are these things attacking me? And he's saying, but yet I will place my hope and I put my eyes on Christ. The secret is to lift our eyes up, to stop looking at everything that causes us pain. I tell you, the secret is to get our eyes off of everything that's around us and to focus them on the author and the finish of our faith. The secret is to all of these toxic emotions that try to come upon us. And we say, we're going to begin to praise God. That's the power of praise. Praise and worship is not just saying and singing some song that sounds nice. It's getting our eyes off of ourselves and beginning to praise and worship a God who is bigger than us. Beginning to think, I love that song we sang this morning. It says, chains fall, fear bow. Hear now that Jesus changes everything. And God put this verse in my heart. We don't have it on the screens because it was just a few moments ago. But I want to read it to you out of my Bible. And it's out of Isaiah and it says, fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I'll strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And so I feel the word of God is telling to us, you have all these other things that men put their hope in and people put their vain trust in. And all these other things that you think will save you, but it's none of that. God is saying, I am your salvation. Fear not, for I am with you. I will redeem you. I will stand with you. Saying, fear not. There's a story of the New Testament of the disciples and they go out on the water and Jesus is behind praying. And they're out on the water and a storm hits and they're trying to row to land and they're putting their faith in everything, the boat, and they're doing all their crying out. And then Jesus comes walking on the water. And when they cry out to him, he says, fear not, it is I. And I just want you to know that today, that we try to put our eyes on everything else. Try to put our faith in the boat. We try to put our faith in our strength to row. We try to put our faith in all these other things. But in the midst of the storm, it's him. It's he that is our strength. He's the one that holds us up. He's the one that makes. So we get our eyes off of ourselves. We fix them on Jesus. Begin to praise. Begin to worship. And when you begin to worship, all your problems become smaller and your God gets bigger. That's the power of praise. It's the power of that. So I want to give you three practical things that we can do out of God's word as we begin to praise and worship. So we begin to fix our eyes on him. Three practical things that we can do to deal with toxic emotions. 
that I believe if we can apply these to our lives, it will change the trajectory of your life. If you begin to apply these in your different situations, it will change the way that you live. It will change the way that you pursue the call he has for you. All right, you ready for it? Number one, jot it down if you're taking notes with me. We need to remember God's faithfulness in the past. If we're going to deal with the pain of the past, we need to remember God's faithfulness in the past. We have to remember what he's brought us through. We have to remember what he's brought us. We've got to remember that when we were lost, now that we're found. We've got to remember that when we were broken, God mended us up. That when we were, we were hopeless and we were ashamed and we were depressed, God sent a loved one or a person into our life to give us encouragement and to give us strength. We need to remember that when we were wandering, God found us and brought us back. We need to remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God. I am preaching 95% better than you are responding today, everybody. All right? No, it's too late now. We've got to remember the faithfulness of God. You got to call those things to mind. Even in Jeremiah, in the book of Lamentations, we looked at this earlier. He remembers God's faithfulness and it changes everything for him. Look at this out of Lamentations. He said, I remember my affliction. I remember the wandering, the bitterness, the gall. I remember them and my soul is downcast within me. I, I remember those things and my soul is downcast. Now watch this. Yet, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. He's going to reveal to us the secret of getting through the pain of our past. He says, I have this to call to mind. I have to choose to remember this. You know, your memories are a choice. And you can remember all those things. And yet he says, I call this to mind. You can choose to remember the pain or you can choose to remember the faithfulness of God. When you begin to call it to mind, he's, and Jeremiah is not talking from a place where he doesn't really know what he's talking about. You say, well, he didn't go through. Jeremiah lives at this time where he sees his nation destroyed. Almost every loved one that's close to him is either hauled off to slavery or dies. And he sees all this that happens to him. And he said, when I remember all of that pain, there's affliction and there's bitterness and there's the gall and there's wandering. And yet I call this to mind. And he goes on to say that because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Watch this. Great is your faithfulness. So Jeremiah is walking through this time of depression. He's walking through this time. He's saying, my soul is downcast and I remember the bitterness and the gall. But he says, yet when I remember and I call this to mind that great is your faithfulness, that your compassions are new every morning. And as I was preparing this part of the message, I kept thinking all week that we would get to this point of the service and there would be some here or maybe watching online. There would be some who would say, well, that's great for everybody else. And that's really nice for all of the super Christians. And that's really nice for all of the people who, you know, are really in love with Jesus. And I, that's great for them, but it, it's not for me. But you don't really know what I went through. And it's nice that you can say that. And it's nice for Jeremiah that he can say that. But you don't really know the things that I had to endure and how I had to pray and think. And ask, And I'm just asking in my life now, well, God, why did you let that happen? Or God, why, why did I have to walk through those things? Like, I don't see God's faithfulness. and I, I just, I can't see it in my past. And I know that there are those who are saying that right now, that it's great for everybody else, but it just doesn't apply to me. And I think that this verse is for you today. Because I want to give you a different perspective, maybe, to those memories or that thing that you had to walk through. I want to give you a different perspective that you can see it, a different lens to see it through. Because I believe that today, right in front of your eyes, God's is going to change God's going to change that memory. He's going to change that pain. He's going to set you free from some things. You can remember the faithfulness. Because you see, the truth of the matter, whoever you are, whatever you walk through, as bad as it was, it was actually designed to consume you. That pain that you had to walk through, that attack that came against you, against your family, against your loved ones, that thing was actually designed to consume you. 
It was actually designed to take you out. The devil's plan for it was to take you out through that pain. And the fact that God has brought you through it and brought you to this place today, that you're sitting there, the fact that God has brought you to this place, that God has brought you to where he needs you to be in your life, that God's hand has been upon you, that it did not consume you, that that pain that you walk through maybe becomes a testimony to someone else's life, that God still has a plan for you, that his compassions are new and his mercy is new, that God is still with you, his eyes aren't off of you, his eyes are still upon you, that he still has great things for your life. That that thing that should have taken you out didn't take you out because God has a plan for you. That God has a purpose for you. That God's hand is upon you. And I'm telling you, he's going to free you from the pain. You're going to be able to see his faithfulness again. That he's good, that he's faithful, that his eyes are still upon you. That his eyes are still for you. So we have to remember God's faithfulness in the past. Jot it down number two. We got to cry out to God in the present. So remember his faithfulness in the past, but then we have to cry out every time that we're tempted with trouble to kind of shrink within ourselves. We need to cry out to God. The psalmist in Psalms 142, he said it this way. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell him my trouble. I cry to you, O Lord. I tell you, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. That land of the living represents your life now. That's your life now, that he is for you now, that he is with you now, that his eyes are upon you now. And he says, I cry out to you. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me, for those around me are too strong for me. But he says, I cry out to you, O Lord. That psalmist is very, he's very specific there in using that word cry out. Because there's a difference between asking for something and crying out for something. Parents, you know this. There's a difference between your children asking you for something and you may or may not respond, right? If you're in the supermarket or you're somewhere, you may or may not respond for them asking and asking and asking. But when they cry out, there's a difference there that always generates a response. Always generates a response. And there's a tone that my children use when I know it's real. When I know it's something that's real and there's always a response where the parent runs to them. In the middle of the night when they cry out, you run to them. You run to them when we cry out. There's always a response that generated. When we cry out to our Father, He always hears. He will always hear when we cry out to Him. Some of us have to allow ourselves to be human and to cry out. Some of us allow, have to allow ourselves not to trust in our own strength and our own things. When there is trouble in the present, we cry out to God. We begin to run to Him and we cry out to Him and He hears us. The Bible says He will hear you and He will answer. We begin to cry out. To him, we've got to cry out to God in the present. Number three, as we close, we've got to trust in God's power for the future. When there's anxiety and there's worry and we begin to to push everything else aside and we can't even focus on what we're doing because we're so worried about the future. We got to begin. We're going to we're going to trust him. We're going to cry out to him in the present. We're going to believe in his faithfulness in the past, but then we're going to trust him in his power for the future. You want to begin to deal with the anxiety that comes after us. We've got to cry out to him when trouble comes, but then we trust him to handle it in the future. We put our lives in his hands. There's a story in the book of Second Chronicles as we close today. And we started the book, the 21 days of prayer. We started it uh, with this verse, and I want to close with it. And it's the stories in Second Chronicles. It tells the story about a king, Hezekiah, one of the most famous kings in the history of Judah. And he rules over the nation. And he says he takes over the nation from a lineage of kings who did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And they begin to do, they begin to lead Judah astray. But Hezekiah takes over and he begins to institute religious reform. Revival breaks out in the nation. He begins to tell them about the, the word of God and how they should live their lives. He begins to bring God back into the government, bring God back into the culture. He begins to revive all these things in the nation. Begins to do everything that's right in the eyes of the Lord. And actually the chapter right before this says, Hezekiah did everything faithfully. 
If it wasn't clear from the Bible describing what he did, it just tells us flat out he did everything faithfully before God. And then the very next chapter, he is facing the largest invasion army that he has ever seen in his life. Just a few verses later, after he instates all these reforms, after he does all these things, he's now facing the largest attack that he's ever had in his entire life. And I think some of you have been living your life with Christ and you've been, you've been doing everything faithfully. And you've been seeing God's miracles work and you've been seeing all these things happen in your life. All these victories come in your life and you've been seeing God move in your family and you've been instituting these things even in the 21 days of prayer. And now you're under attack. And it's causing you to rethink things where you say, well, if, if I'm really doing what's right, then why is this attack coming? Am I, if I'm really living this life for God, then why is this thing happening And I want you to know that it's because you were living right. That the devil sees that and that's when he brings the largest attack. And it's when he wants to take you out. It's when he wants to do these things. When the devil comes against you. Because if you are not experiencing attack, you're not not taking ground. You're not advancing for the kingdom. If you're just sitting still, the devil has no worry about you. But in your life sometimes, when these things are happening and you're beginning to take ground for the kingdom. It's when the greatest attack will come. And I just want to warn you, after these 21 days, so many times... When we go into that time of spiritual renewal, when we have a revival like Hezekiah had in the time of Judah, that's when the devil tries to come to take you out. It's when he tries to attack your family. He tries to think. And so we have to shore it up and we have to believe in God's power for the future. Because Hezekiah here is facing this army that's about to take him over. There's no way his army can take them on. But Hezekiah has his mind in the right place and he goes before the people and he doesn't say our army will do this and we'll be great and our walls will keep them out. Watch what he tells the people. He says, be strong and courageous. I love that verse. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army that is with him for there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of the flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us to fight our battles. How many know the Lord your God is going to fight your battles? How many know the Lord that's with you is going to fight your battle? And it says that the people gained strength and they were encouraged because of the words of Hezekiah. Can I encourage you today? That some of you have seen these things and you felt this anxiety about the future. And you've walked through some things in the past and it made you feel like the plan for your life was just to live in discouragement. That the plan for your life was just to be depressed or to be downtrodden all the time. Let me tell you, that's not God's design for your life. That God has a plan for your life and it's not that. That God has a plan for you to advance the kingdom. That God has a purpose for your life, that he has a design. And you need to know that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the the dead lives in you. That that same power that raised him from the dead lives in you. That the power of God is in you to be more than conquerors through him who loved us. Greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. That there is a greater power inside of you. You need to know that in your life. That when these things come, when anxiety tries to slip in and say, well, you don't know about the future. Yeah, I don't know, but God does. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to hold for me, but I know the God who holds my life in his hands. I know the power that lives on the inside of me. I know that he has a plan and it is good. I know that my God holds me in the palm of his hand. And so no matter what comes, I'm his. You begin to get that faith in your life to begin to trust in the power that God has for you. You need to know the power that he has placed inside of you, that he's going to he's going to be upon you, that you're going to live and not die, that he has this power upon you. That God has chosen you for something great. And those of you who maybe you say, I'm far from God. You need to know that power is available to you in a right relationship with Jesus, that he can set you free from the pain of your past. 
That he can set you free. That he can be with you in troubles in the present. That he can give you that, that strength and that faith. But it comes in a right relationship with him. It comes in surrender to him. I want to leave you with this thought today. And that is what you walked through in your past was painful. But what God has planned for your future is powerful. What God has planned for you is powerful. That he still has good plans for you. That he still loves you. His eyes are still upon you. We're still the children of God. And his purpose is still going to be lived out on this earth. The kingdom goes forward. And all God's children said amen and amen. Would you bow your heads with me today as we close in prayer? I want to pray that God would seal this word in our heart. That we would begin to be people of faith. Begin to be people who trust him for our future. Before I pray that, I want to speak to a certain group who are here today or maybe watching online. Maybe you clicked on this video by accident or you're streaming it live or wherever you are right now. I want to speak to you. You know that you're far from God today. And you know that he's working inside of your heart right now, drawing you. You can feel that the Holy Spirit's working on you. I want to just speak to you today. That if you want to see God's faithfulness in the past, you want his, his help and his trust and his health in the future, in the present, and you want to see his power in your future. It doesn't come because of some five-step plan. It doesn't come because of anything else that man can give you. It comes with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if that's you today, you say, I want to make it right with him. And maybe there was a time in your life where you walked with him and his presence was in your life. And maybe you've never had a relationship with Christ. Maybe you've only gone through the motions and maybe you, you know all the, the words of the Bible, but you've never had it actually in your heart. And maybe you've done all these things that you thought could bring you closer to God and all of it was meaningless. And you've never had that relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never put your faith in the sacrifice of Christ on the cross and his resurrection. That's you today. If you say, I want to make it right, I just want to pray with you. And I want you to know I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to make you come to the front. I'm not looking to embarrass you in front of your family or your friends. This is between you and Jesus. But if maybe you're looking at your life and you're saying, I've done all these other things, but I've never had that relationship with him. I pursued all these other things that I thought were good and I thought could bring me to God, but I've never surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I want to pray with you today. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you the words to the prayer. It's a simple prayer to pray of surrender. And the whole church, we're going to pray it with you. But here's what you need to do. You need to say these words and you need to mean them in your heart. So come on, church, let's pray it with those who want to make that decision. Just say, dear Jesus, forgive me for all of my sins, for all my mistakes. I surrender to you. I accept what you did on the cross and that you rose again. Now say these words. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, for all of us in this room and those watching online, we thank you for what you're teaching us about how to have the right kind of desires, how to have the right kind of thoughts, how to have the right emotions in the things that we walk through. Father, I pray that you would begin to do a work on our hearts, that you would begin to do what only you can do. Lord, that we would begin, Father, to recognize your faithfulness in our past.
for what you brought us through. Lord, that we would cry out to you in the present when things come against us, that we would learn to run to you first. And God, today we declare that we put our hope and our trust in you for our future. We declare that you are our God and we put our faith in you. We don't know what it holds, but we know that you hold our future. And so we praise you, Lord. We thank you that your thoughts toward us are good, that your plans for us are good. We thank you for all you're going to do, that you're going to use this church. You're going to use each person to advance your kingdom. To make the change that you want to see in this world. And we thank you and we praise you for all you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we praise. And all God's church said amen and amen. Can we put our hands together for what God has done today?